This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, you're listening to The Fourth Estate, the show where journalists talk journalism. Coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. My name's Julia Karkatzel. Well, as Australians reached for their phones before rolling out of bed this morning, they would have discovered a drastically different Facebook. A news feed devoid of news. That's right, the platform has banned Australians from sharing or viewing Australian and international news content. Instead, a pop-up error window appears when attempting to post links to news, reading, these cannot be posted in response to the news media code. So, what will become of smaller publications who rely on social media for traffic to their sites? And what does this say about the power of Facebook? And in other news, a bushfire article that fueled misinformation during the Black Summer has been cleared by Australia's journalism watchdog, the Australian Press Council. Is the final adjudication good enough? Joining me on the panel to discuss is Walkley Award-winning journalist Quentin Dempster. Quentin is the contributing editor at The New Daily and has decades of experience writing for publications like the Sydney Morning Herald, the ABC and The Guardian. Hey, Quentin. Hi, Julia. Uh, we have crikey reporter Charlie Lewis. Charlie covers industrial relations, politics and culture at Crikey. Charlie, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. And freelance journalist Margot Saville joins us as well on the line. Margot has worked at The Australian, the ABC, Nine and the Sydney Morning Herald. Margot, thanks for your time. Hi, Julia. Okay, so big news from Facebook today. It says it will restrict publishers and people in Australia from sharing or viewing Australian and international news content. Facebook argues that Australia's proposed news media bargaining code fundamentally misunderstood the relationship between their platform and publishers who use it to share news content. Now, Treasurer Josh Freineberg this morning said he had a chat with the big boss, Mr Zuckerberg himself, and Zuckerberg raised a few remaining issues with the government's code. Frydenberg says the pair will continue to find a pathway forward. Um, so, Quentin, I'll turn to you first. Has the government and the ACCC got this horribly wrong, or is this a case of allowing Facebook to get too big? Anybody interested in the continuation of public interest journalism in our democracy, I think should be pleased that the government, with the, with the support of the uh, uh, the Greens, the Labor Party and crossbenchers uh, are putting this uh, mandatory revenue sharing code through. It will get some revenue back to uh, the companies and hopefully the ABC and SBS uh, for their, their substantial capital costs of public interest journalism. There's a lot to play out in this, Julia. It's only early days. But without that code, Google would not have already done 
deals with uh, with the media companies and continuing to negotiate with the ABC and SBS and other smaller players. I'm very concerned about the withdrawal of Facebook, but in many ways I'm glad that's that, that withdrawal of Facebook from news content and a whole lot of other collateral websites which they've closed down access to on their Facebook pages. Uh, and I think Zuckerberg has, uh, again, overplayed uh, his hand, and that has to be worked through over coming days. But uh, this is important worldwide that democracies uh, are able to function properly with proper information, and proper information costs money, and that's what this has all been about. I mean, if you think about it, 18 million Australians are on the platform uh, that is all about sharing, and now those 18 million can't view or share the news. Surely this is something, as a country, we cannot allow to happen. Uh, yes, um, that's, that's true, but uh, the Australian people can get access to free uh, public interest journalism now, and they are accessing it. It's just not via Facebook. So let's make it clear that the Australian public can get accurate information from independent news-gathering organisations, and we all have our opinions about the strengths and weaknesses and flaws of those organisations, but they can get immediate information from news-gathering organisations which behave or strive to behave ethically. So Facebook, uh, I think, has uh, played a wrong hand here, and it will have to uh, claw back some of its positions. Uh, it's even cancelled. I just noticed on uh, uh, this afternoon that uh, cancelled the ACTU website on Facebook pages. Uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, ACTU is not a news gathering organisation, but uh, this is an important crunch point for the big tech giants and their operations in a functioning democracy like Australia. Yeah, and just on that ACTU, uh, the move has been so far-reaching that even the Bureau of Meteorology has been blocked, as have government health pages, other unions, non-profit organisations, all swept up in the ban, uh, which is quite dangerous during uh, COVID as well. A lot of the health uh, reminders and updates have been taken off. And Facebook has said that they will adjust and bring back non-news sites affected by the move. But either way, is Australian news and basic information basically being cancelled? Is this a statement? I'm, I'm possibly, uh, you know, the wrong person to ask here because I hate Facebook. I'm on it in a token way, but I've always thought it was a very toxic environment, right, for conspiracy theories. Um, and uh, ever since I started reading Carol Cadwaller back in 2018 about how Facebook had changed the course of Brexit, um, you know, there's a documentary called Agents of Chaos about the 2016 US election, which shows conclusively that Russia used Facebook to interfere in the 2016 US election and the election of Trump. And it's now a minefield of conspiracy theories about, um, you know, about the pandemic, about vaccines, it's about 5G and vaccinations. Um, you know, you don't have to be on Facebook. Um, there's various statistics about the proportion of Australians on it, ranging from 30 to 50%. I'm in the do not go category. Um, and I think it's like a stream, water going, you know, news is a water going down a stream. You block the stream, the water goes a different way. There are plenty of alternatives. And 
I think, you know, we should call Facebook's bluff. Don't go. Find somewhere else to go. They'll, um, you know, they'll soon work out a way of getting around our eyeballs again, but you don't have to use Facebook. Sure. I, I mean, a lot of smaller independent news companies do rely on social media, though, for, for website traffic. Junkie Media says 75% of its traffic to their site uh, to, is driven by search and social. So will Facebook banning all news content spell the death of publications like these? I don't think so. I think anyone who wants to read publications, and I contribute to Crikey, it's in that smaller media category, will find a way of finding the content that they want. You know, it's just a matter of changing people's habits, which can be hard, but it's possible. Okay. And another big concern is that the move will encourage the dissemination of fake news, uh, which is, again, dangerous during uh, the COVID pandemic. How do you think these changes will affect the user experience on Facebook? So, you know, people won't be able to post links from news sites in response to seeing misinformation and counteracting it that way. That's one example. Um, how else will will users be affected? Um Sorry to do uh, the politician thing and just double back to something we were talking about before. I think we shouldn't, just going back to how the government has handled this, I don't think we should completely let the government off the hook for its own handling of this. I mean, I think part of the reason that we're seeing a lot of the, you know, emergency service um, and say the ACTU uh, Facebook pages caught up in all of this is because the law was so broadly drafted in terms of its definition of news that Facebook said, well, this is what it would look like if we did actually implement it. Um, but I, but, I th- but I take Quentin's point. I thought that was interesting. I didn't think of it in terms of something of an ambit claim that, that actually brought Facebook to the table, or Google at least, to the table with other publications. That's, that's an interesting point I hadn't considered. Um, in terms of, uh, but, as you, but you were quite right, the, um, one of the kind of stark uh, things to notice in terms of you know, the ABC being taken down, but Craig Kelly's conspiracy theory-laden Facebook pages up and thriving still, while he's serving a ban for posting misinformation. Uh, that is going to be a huge issue going forward. I mean, it's, it's already, as Margot alluded to, it's already distorted slightly the framework of democracy worldwide uh, and taking off um, yeah, reputable news broadcasters and, and publications is only going to exacerbate that. So crikey journalist Bernard Keane has a very different take on today's events. He wrote that the government's news media bargaining code was always based on a lie, one devised and disseminated by News Corp, that big tech platforms steal content and must be made to pay for it. Has the media industry got it all wrong and have now burned the entire country? Uh, Quentin, was it all a children's crusade driven by News Corp? Uh, yes, uh, the conspiracy, <laughs> the conspiracy has some <laughs> substantiation because it was Rupert and uh, and Nine uh, who got through to Josh Frydenberg and to a lesser extent uh, Paul Fletcher to apply the mandatory code, uh, and it was uh, they who stimulated Rod Sims and the ACCC to do that 18-month inquiry, the most uh, searching ever done, and uh, and Rod and the ACCC analysts uh, found the, uh, uh, the enormous uh, data mining and what's called surveillance capitalism, <laughs> which the tech platforms developed. Bernard, Bernard makes some very good points, uh, but he, he seems to, uh, because of uh, his concerns about the disinformation we've all suffered in Australia from news corporations, distortions of climate change denial and their, their uh, 
targeting individuals they don't like and their their uh, vilification of uh, of people and organisations, all the things that we've suffered in Australia from a from a consolidated news corporation influence and and which is uh, lessened diversity of media and voices. Now we've got consolidation with uh, the Herald and the Age uh, um, and the Fin Review now under Nine Entertainment, chaired by Peter Costello, small town Australia. But but uh, so I think Bernard has gone too far here because Margot makes some very good points about the appalling things that Facebook has done. I mean, just live streaming the Christchurch massacre, for heaven's sake, let alone the disinformation in, in those countries run by military yuntas. Uh, it's, it's, it's appalling, and, and there has to be some accountability for Facebook. So this brings this to a head. Uh, I don't like Rupert Murdoch's distortions in Australia any more, any, any more than anybody else. That's why I support the ABC and the public broadcasting system uh, so much. Uh, but we need, to, we need to see that the tech platforms behave responsibly and that there is a, an adequate revenue-sharing uh, regime for copyright content, original copyright content creators in Australia to get proper information to the Australian public. The move comes days after News Corp 9 and 7 West Media struck multi-million dollar deals with Google for use of content. About 25 Australian publications have joined Google News Showcase. And the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance argues that content deals should not deter the federal parliament from passing the News Media Bargaining Code laws this week. Uh, should we view these deals around Google News Showcase as a sign of compromise from the tech giant or a pivot to outstep the proposed legislation? Uh, it's, a, uh, it's an acceptance that the ground has changed and that Google has now accepted that. It's accepted it in France. Uh, they're trying to, they're, they're desperately worried about uh, the impact of others asking for money for being, being linked to their websites. Uh, but they're accepting the arguments put up by news media organisations about the costs and the, the imbalance, uh, the competitive imbalance that has been identified by the ACCC in Australia. So Google has accepted it. Uh, it's not going to withdraw. They're trying to get everybody into their Google uh, news site. Uh, it'll yet to be determined if uh, I think News Corporation is going to do a global deal with Google as a consequence of this, which will change, which is a paradigm shift as hated as Rupert uh, and his distortions are in the United States and the, uh, the UK. There's an acceptance that original content creators should be recompensed for that element of value. <laughs> and they still haven't defined public interest journalism, by the way, uh, for that element of value that helps the search engine. So uh, it, this is a work in progress. I hope the parliament does carry the mandatory uh, revenue sharing code with a with a, a mandatory arbitrator. Uh, if the legislation can be changed, if need be, down the track. But uh, this is a major change, and will put a put a uh, an underwriting into hopefully public interest journalism in Australia. Margot or Charlie, what do you think? Do you think our major media players have got a good deal here, or just been bought off and silenced? Um, I think Google have 
you know, realised um, in time that they actually have to make some concessions before um, the parliament realises that they've been not paying their taxes for years, that they've been earning billions and billions of dollars and that politicians like AOC in the US and there'll be a groundswell as younger politicians come through who are increasingly outraged by the way that these companies earn so much money and have so much power and pay so little tax towards the company, the countries that they uh, exist in, that this is a way of them trying to stave off the inevitable and giving in at the last minute. So I think it's a very cynical move by Google. Unfortunately, I can do without Facebook, but I can't do without Google. It's, it's a necessary evil. What about Bing? Bing, I hate Bing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. That's not defamatory. That's a that's a that's that's a defense, I believe. <laughs> uh, Charlie, what do you think about the latest move from Google? Oh yeah, I mean, I probably would, would would sort of agree with you. I think in in a lot of ways, as you say, given the the quantities of money involved in the 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 paucity of tax that they pay, they're getting off cheap in 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 one way, and I think they probably know it, and that's why they've come to the table. And um, the proposed law will ensure an arbiter, like Quentin says, who sets fees uh, for Google and publishers if they cannot come to terms with publishers on their own. And this is to ensure all media outlets are covered, including the AAP, regional and local organisations, and that they are compensated properly. Um, So when you think of smaller publishers, they don't really have the same ability to negotiate directly with Google. Is there any chance that many, like the one that produces Fourth Estate, to SER uh, will be left behind as Google sidesteps the code? Uh, Well, we have to work that through, Julia. I want uh, every outfit, not just the big major players, to get uh, in uh, on this because if they are producing original uh, content for uh, their audiences and uh, the search engine gets a value from it and ultimately if Facebook does come uh, to the table... Uh, with further talks with Josh Frydenberg, uh, I want to see the fourth estate, uh, the new daily. Uh, Guardian hasn't am- announced its deal with Google yet. Um, um, Guardian's been wonderful uh, transforming uh, element and contribution to uh, media diversity in Australia, let alone all the other local uh, websites, which uh, should, local and regional, which should come up and hopefully get a and underwriting there so they they can employ journalists, qualified journalists, accredited, committed, ethical journalists to support and report on their community. So that has to play out, and it's just not uh, there for the benefit and indulgence of Rupert Murdoch and uh, and Costello over at Nine Entertainment. Apparently, um, just on that, on the arbitration thing, from what I understand, that is the big stumbling block. That's the big thing for Facebook. That's what that's what prompted them to do what they did. And I think if, so it'd be interesting to keep an eye on that and see uh, whether that's a concession that the government ends up uh, making. Uh, and because as, as you say, the people who will really suffer from that, actually the people who have suffered throughout this whole thing are the small players who not only don't have the same kind of bargaining power or the same influence at government level, but they also uh, have an existential reliance in some ways on Facebook in terms of the amount of eyeballs that it brings to them. Well, Google is part of the digital economy now. The whole, the whole of the... And this is, this is evolving rapidly, as we know, particularly through the pandemic. I mean, the take-up of home shopping, <laughs> as people stuck at home and browsing on, on whatever spare cash they had, 
It's wiping out retail. It's wiping out commercial floor space development. People work from home now. If only we had an NBN <laughs> with fibre to the premises uh, rather than reliance on copper. Anyway, that's another, that's another argument. Uh, the digital revolution is unbelievable. It's going to, it is changing everything. So if we start to look at uh, the, the, what, what we need to sustain as a viable economy and, uh, and democracy, a functioning democracy, I'm glad this has happened and, uh, and it's bringing, bringing all this to a head. Yeah, and it's interesting too. You you brought up Bing before as a competitor to Google, um, and I guess maybe that's why Google is making all these changes and kind of agreeing to comply and negotiate. Whereas Facebook has made this threat that it's going to pull its you know pull news from the news feed for a couple months now, and it, it's kind of gone ahead with it because there is no competitor to Facebook really, and it's something they can maybe get away with. Uh, what do you think of that? I should I should note, Julia. If you look back a bit, uh, Rupert Murdoch bought MySpace, which I'm told in the reading I've done, MySpace was level pegging about 10 or 12 years ago with Facebook uh, in in, um, uh, community engagement and the audience that was developing. Rupert paid half a billion for it uh, and put his his news corporation executives over the, the top of the MySpace dudes and they ran, they just swamped it with advertising to the extent where everybody switched off and they lost their audience in double quick time and they ended up taking a huge haircut on it. I mean, if Rupert Murdoch was, had developed MySpace as Zuckerberg developed uh, Facebook, uh, Rupert wouldn't be giving an inch <laughs> to anybody else trying to get on his, uh, on his platform. So there's a huge amount of hypocrisy here uh, from Rupert Murdoch as far as the free market is concerned, but leave that to one side because it, we're, we're talking about the survival and the, the uh, underwriting of uh, public interest journalism. That's an interesting point. Um, okay, well, we might move on to uh, the APC now. Firebugs fueling crisis as arson arrest toll hits 183. That's the headline of an article published by The Australian in the middle of the black summer bushfire season. Uh, the news story got a lot of traction. Donald Trump even retweeted it. Uh, the only problem was that the figure was inaccurate and suggestive that arsonists were largely to blame for the bushfires, not climate change. It only took Australia's journalism watchdog, the Australian Press Council, 13 months to decide the article was in fact not misleading. So 13 months uh, does seem like an awfully long time, especially seeing the article in question could be fact-checked in a day or two. What does the panel think of the time delay and putting to one side for a moment the APC decision? Is there any point to this adjudication after such a long period? Um, absolutely none. This would be like me gating my teenager for drinking in August last year. You know, this is absurd, ridiculous. I remember the article. I don't remember. I remember the fuss on social media. I don't remember the adjudication. You know, I, I, it's insane. Yes, no, and I and I, I would I would probably go a step and say I'm sure all of the climate denialists, conspiracy theorists who jumped on that headline shared a photo of it on their Twitter pages or, or wherever, on their parlor pages. Um, they're not going to be retweeting the fact that this has now been judged to have had to be... Ch- because in the detail of the decision, it says, well, they had to add... For this to be accurate and 
not misleading, they had to adjust the figures that they actually put in the article. So it's absurd to think that yes, 13 months later, any of the damage that is done by the problems that article get get at all uh, ameliorated. Yeah, so basically the article claimed that 180 arson cases had been recorded since the start of the bushfire season, but then they later amended that figure to state that it was actually the outcome of uh, the 2019 calendar year. Um, But the headline didn't change. um, And as you say, Charlie, so that would have been, you know, circulated around. Quentin, what do you make of the APC decision that the article was not misleading? Uh, it's uh, a perversity. I mean, they, the language they could have used were this initially was a beat up. Uh, the use of the word arsonist indicated that all the cases were uh, of the criminality of arson, which indicated which which the obvious spin was that it wasn't climate change or the extreme weather events. Uh, it was the arsonists who, who lit the matches. Uh, Donald Trump grabbed hold of that, uh, uh, the ultimate spin doctor, uh, and tried to indicate that, you know, with California going up in flames as well because of arguably, not arguably, I think it's demonstrably uh, climate change, global warming, the extreme weather events which come with uh, uh, with global warming. Um, so, it, it, it look, it was a beat-up, and the APC should have said it was a beat-up, and the initial headline although uh, mitigated by, uh, by changing to the language uh, in, uh, in later iterations of it, it should have called it out as such. The Australian Press Council, which I support uh, as a self-regulator for print journalism uh, in Australia, uh, really draws attention to itself with one of these perverse adjudications. They really should call a spade a spade uh, when there are distressed people looking at this saying this is this is a misrepresentation so so uh, it's the language of the don't get me wrong the adjudications can be very valuable to journalism and bringing to account print media in Australia uh, in response to complainants citizens readers who've said oh this isn't right I'm not, I, I don't want to be misled by this outfit I'm going to complain to the Australian press council it's there. The press council is there to to both protect the public and the readers, as well as the publications, because hopefully we all support freedom of the press. The press is not regulated in Australia. Broadcast is appropriately regulated because the public owns the airwaves, and that's why we've got an outfit called the Australian Communications and Media Authority. External, it it uh, uh, oversees. The, all the all the broadcast media, including Alan Jones and the Shock Jocks, uh, and the ABC and SBS. If I could, uh, sorry, Julia, to, to take over as host for a second. If I could ask the panel a question, I'm really interested to hear what everyone thinks. Is this is a, is a decision like this a little bit of a an indication of the the flaws with self regulation? The fact that someone has to elect to join the press council and helps fill their coffers is that, does that make them less likely to deliver a sort of stinging? Uh, education to such a big part of the the makeup of the press council. Charlie, you'll you'll make yourself a target of woke orthodoxy uh, and uh, cancel culture here. This is the the dilemma for those of us who support uh, freedom of the press, uh, and we've been through various uh, arguments about uh, about that with uh, the Paddy, uh, the uh, Stephen Conroy 
initiated Finkelstein inquiry. Um, and although there was uh, a suggestion that they could have uh, a statutory freedom of the press, if you like, uh, uh, but uh, publications ordered to put up uh, adverse uh, adjudications, uh, that was ultimate, that ultimately failed uh, because of the of the British concept of freedom. The press is not regulated in the UK. In the United States, they have the First Amendment uh, uh, protection. Uh, thank heavens! If we had a First Amendment, it would be it would be good here for Australia. But uh, we ain't got it. We got the Press Council, which is uh, which is ridiculed from time to time. Uh, appropriately, I think, when adjudications like this let the Oz off the hook on what was clearly, to all of us, a bloody beater. And they say in their language of the adjudication that the first iteration of this was a bloody beat-up, but then they let them off the hook because they changed and come up with all sorts. The word arsonists uh, indicates widespread criminality, not mm. somebody failing to get a permit to, uh, to light their rubbish in the backyard. Uh, or, so or throwing a cigarette out of the car window. Yeah. Or throwing a cigarette out of the car window uh, or anything else. Uh, but the press council should have called a spade a spade in this adjudication and found that the initial iteration was a breach of their broad principles. And without wishing to go on about it, yes, the, the adjudication did in itself, in the, in the language of the adjudication, the absurdity was so profound, it, it sort of said we acknowledge that it was quite difficult to collate so many different legal definitions of arson over such a long time period, and that's probably why it was unclear the first time. You straight away are acknowledging that this is an unbelievably long reach to draw a conclusion that they'd already decided they wanted to make. Yeah, and uh, if the Press Council uh, ever looks at this webinar, uh, I want the Press Council to survive for all the good things it does, and I think it's after the pandemic, it's in desperate trouble as far as the contributing uh, the, the, the money being contributed to it by the freedom of association which we enjoy in Australia. So I want everybody to continue to support the Press Council and I hope the Press Council can at least <laughs> look at this adjudication and say, listen, we've got to get the language right because if you're a reader and a complainant, you'd say this is bullshit, what they've come up with. What is the next step, I guess? Would the would the APC develop uh, specific standards on climate change reporting, like the conversation has, or what would that look like? Uh, they could they could examine it, uh, Julia. Maybe they should because uh, the uh, uh, this is a, a major debate about misinformation and disinformation, conspiracy theories, denial, what have you. That hopefully, when Joe Biden has his summit of democracies uh, in April, we'll look at the appropriate regulation of tech platforms in democracies. We don't want authoritarianism like Xi Jinping in, uh, uh, and the Chinese Communist Party or, or Putin's Russia, if he can, Putin can take websites off if he doesn't like them. We want freedom of expression uh, to be entrenched in our democracies, but we don't want the public to be misled and misinformed. So that has to play out uh, uh, in this debate as well. Absolutely. And, and I think you make a really interesting point, Julia, that um, the, the, the idea of specific guidelines for, say, the reporting of, of, of climate science uh, seems like a pretty appropriate move. I mean, we have the same thing for reporting on suicide, and everyone would agree now. I think that's a very appropriate, appropriate set of rules that does not impinge on press freedom in any kind of way. It makes sure that the reporting is, is appropriate and responsible and, and conforms to certain best practice guides. Great point, Charlie, yeah. 
that's it from us on The Fourth Estate. Thanks to my guests, Walkley Award-winning journalist Quentin Dempster, Crikey reporter Charlie Lewis and freelance journalist Margot Saville. There are many ways to stay informed and support your local news organisations. Most have an app you can download, you can subscribe to newsletters and, of course, you can visit their website. Fourth Estate is produced with the assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Thanks to the Foundation for their continuing support. And don't forget you can subscribe to the Fourth Estate podcast so you'll never miss an episode. If you're already a subscriber, please leave us a review on your podcast app or on Facebook. It helps us know what you like and it helps other people find the show. You can stay in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is Fourth Estate AU. My name's Julia Karkatzel. You can catch us next week.